0: This is the podcast "Going Beyond Salvation," and I'm your host, Jess Robinson. And I, uh, this is the old an Old Testament version podcast, and we are in this going through, uh, finishing out Second Chronicles, and the rest of these the, the kings here of of Judah, and we kind of ended with Hezekiah. Uh, when we last had our podcast and then we're we're going to finish up Hezekiah and continue with the rest of the kings now Hezekiah we notice second chronicles really goes into more detail with Hezekiah and it's because Hezekiah really was a good king you know he was you know after the Lord and he he brought a form of a revival to the land of Judah and he was actually when we read in 30, he, he establishes, you know, celebrating the Passover. He gets the priest re-sanctified, you know, he's creating such reforms that because, in and because of his love for the Lord. And we see here that, you know, even he reaches out to, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you know, this happened, this happened after the northern tribe had been taken by the Assyrians, but, you know, there were some that were still left, they were taken back to the land, and he's reaching out to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, hey, come and celebrate the Passover, and they ridiculed and scorned him, but there are some that do come, back and and he brings a form of unity again and you know he's putting away the false altars and the idols he's you know purifying the temple you know he's gathering the levites and reassigns them to their original duties as planned by david you know and and he's you know celebrating the passover which you know the passover for them in that time was remembering what the Lord, how the Lord had redeemed them from Egypt. And so essentially he's essentially taking them back to remembering that they're redeemed. And you know, as believers, I think we're in that time where we need to remember, you know, go back to the cross and remember what Jesus did for us. You know, that's a huge part of when you're of revival is repenting of what we've done and allow the blood of Jesus to re-consecrate us, you know, to go back to the cross. And so we see this with Hezekiah and, you know, it also, and in 32, you know, we, we have Sennacherib of Assyria. He, that story where he visits Jerusalem, he ridicules Hezekiah's God. He ridicules God and demands surrender and deportation, however, we see Hezekiah, you know, as I've said before, he seeks God's counsel. He decides not to be intimidated, and I think we can take that as an example that, you know, yeah, the enemy is going to, he's going to intimidate us to try to not walk in the ways of God, to surrender to him and, and all of, you know, these false promises, you know, we see Sennacherib, he gives all these false promises of what he can give, you know, it, it seems enticing and he gives these promises to, to the people of Judah. Oh, you know, you, I'm going to give you a land of milk and honey and, and all of that. But Hezekiah chooses, no, I'm going to trust in in the Lord. And because of that, you know, Isaiah receives God's promise that Judah would survive. And he, you know, he relays that to Hezekiah. And that night, 185,000 men in the Assyrian army perish. Sennacherib returns to Nineveh, where he is assassinated by his two sons. And Hezekiah's righteousness spares Judah for the time being. And we see that with you know, how, and it's a, it's a template when we are being tempted by the enemy, that we're just to trust in the Lord and his promises. And he's going to come through every single time, you know, and it, you know, talks about Hezekiah's pride that he actually, you know, and he wasn't perfect, he had pride, but we see that he's humbled. And we also see, you know, hear a little bit of his sickness. Um, we'll we'll read more of that in actually isaiah and but we also notice that you know god test you know god gave him a test with the babylonian envoys and he shows them the whole treasury it doesn't go into deep deeper detail of that as it does in second kings where isaiah ends up rebuking him saying well you're because of that, you know, your, your descendants are going to be deported. And his attitude after that was, well, it's not going to happen in my time. And I think a lot of Christians make that mistake of, well, this is not going to happen in my time. We actually f- make a mistake even within time. Though so it's not going to happen in my time or, you know, I'm not going to die anytime soon. So I can do whatever I want. No, you know, we don't know. You know, the Lord knows the day and the hour, you know, when He's going to come back. And we have to live every day as if, you know, the Lord's going to return and live it, you know. Like, you know, just keep living it every single day, you know, as if it is your last day. and, And make it fruitful for the kingdom. So... We have the reign of Hezekiah. Then we have Manasseh, and which was his son. He rules for 55 years and he's wicked. I mean, he's setting up false idols again and he leads his people to more evil. You know, he even, you know, sacrifices his own kids. And because of that, we read, you know, this goes into a little bit more detail than Second Kings that he is captured by the Assyrians and he actually repents and we read that he returns to Jerusalem. He attempts in his final years to, to recall Judah to serve the Lord, but, and we, and we'll see it as you know, it's worded with Josiah's reign, but he, we can see that his evil impact wasn't of his earlier years of the, of, of of rule couldn't be undone. And And because of that, you know, the anger of the Lord was still upon Judah. We get to Ammon, you know, in in chapter 33, you know, he, he follows his father Manasseh's former wickedness, and he is assassinated by his own officials in his second year. He doesn't get to rule very long. So then they put Josiah, and Josiah's young when he becomes king you know and in, in chapter 34 but he's the last good king in Judah you know he reforms and brings a spiritual revival into the land you know his his heart is torn when the book of of the law is found and he realizes that you know his Judah has not been doing what they're supposed to be doing they have not been following the lord they have not had their heart devoted to the lord and because of that the lord you know, spares him, you know, going, no, I'm not going to have you go through what, what's going to happen to this land. You know, he centers worship around the temple. He finds the law and obeys it. He reinstates the Passover again, and he brings the Levites back to temple service. Once again, he does the same thing as Hezekiah, but he ends up dying prematurely. Um, by Nico, king of Egypt and afterwards you know we have Jehoaz in 36 he only rules in Jerusalem for three months and he's taken captive by Pharaoh Nico of, of Egypt and at this time Egypt and Assyria were rivals for world power and Palestine is the buffer between them at that point and Jehoaz dies in captivity and they put Jehoiakim in and he's an, an, a son of Josiah, you know, but he has similar character of evil as his brother Jehoahaz. And, you know, in his reign, he's politically pressed by Egypt and Babylon with Babylon receiving world dominance under Nebuchadnezzar. Judah is invaded and becomes a vassal state. And this is the point where Daniel is taken captive, but Jehoiakim is not. So... And when we get into the book of Daniel, we'll we'll kind of go into that more. But Daniel was taken captive at this point. Um Jehiachin, um, or Jehiachin, some people say, in chapter 36, he serves three months as king when Jerusalem is besieged. He is taken captive to Babylon, along with all the treasures left in the temple and the royal treasury. And then there's Zedekiah. He's the final king and the uncle of Jehoiachin. And we'll read in Jeremiah, you know, he's, he always listens to other people, to false prophets. He never listens to God. You know, God gives him repeated, you know, word after word, repent, turn back to me. He even tells zedekiah surrender to nebuchadnezzar nothing bad will happen to you you will die in peace and he doesn't listen he's set against god's messages um and we'll read more of that when we get to the book of jeremiah and that's when the babylonians conquer egypt and take most of jerusalem's population captive he and they destroy the temple and then second chronicles ends though differently it jumps to the persian ruler cyprus or cyrus i mean and him issuing the restoration of judah which is neat because we go into the book of ezra and the book of ezra you know it continues the old testament narrative of second chronicles and it's just and it once again it jumps back to king cyrus's proclamation for the temple to be rebuilt that the people can go back to you know the to their home they could go back to the promised land and it just shows how god fulfills his promises to return his people to jerusalem after 70 years of exile in babylon now the books of Ezra and Nehemiah were one book as well, you know, because Chronicles Ezra and Nehemiah were viewed as one continuous history. Um Ezra is believed to be the author of this entire uh book. Uh you know, the basic theme of Ezra when you look at that um is the spiritual moral and so- social restoration of the returned remnant in Jerusalem under the, the leadership of Zerubbabel and the events in Ezra cover slightly more than 80 years and fall in two distinct segments. Um, the first section is chapters one through six, and it covers 23 years of the, the return and their reconstruction of the temple. Um, it tells of three returns from the Babylonian captivity the first is led by Zerubbabel that we read that we read it was to rebuild the temple in chapters 1 through 6 and the second return which we got into as well um, was 7 8 and 9 is the you know with Ezra to advance the spiritual condition of the, of the people. And we'll talk about the third return, which will be Nehemiah, when we get into the story of Nehemiah. Um, and between the events of the first two returns, there's a period of six decades. And this is where the story of Esther actually um, comes in, where she is queen of Of Persia so they all kind of correspond and actually it's a lot interesting when you do like a chronological reading schedule of how that works out and it actually kind of makes sense when you get through there oh this is what happens and we see with Ezra he's a contemporary in Nehemiah and is a devout priest and scribe He's knowledgeable in the law of Moses and he firmly establishes the law as the basis of faith. He trusts God and displays moral integrity when he grieves over the sins of the people, you know, and it's just, it's so, this book is so good. And I mean, it starts off as we see in chapters one, you know, that the people go back. You know, there's this first return and to rebuilding the temple. And it's actually interesting that I wanted to point out. They actually choose to rebuild the altar first before they start rebuilding the temple. And which, you know, is, is amazing in itself because it's showing, okay, they're bringing back the blood sacrifices And just as I said before, like with Hezekiah, with Passover, it's always going back to the cross for a Christian, going back, you know, to the first love that we have when it comes to, you know, revival, when it comes to spiritual renewal, it's always going back to the first love, which is Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so they go to rebuild the temple But they find opposition and when you are doing God's work, it's, it's similar. You're going to find opposition because we're dealing with a world that lives in opposition to the Lord and the enemy is going to do what he can to stop this work of God. And we see that happening where, you know, these people, they end up uh, skewing the situation in order to get this king to stop this work. We see this is a tactic of the enemy where there will be some times where people will skew what you're doing to make it look bad. You know, uh, like I, I was listening to uh, Franklin Grant or... Like with Franklin Graham, I noticed that when he wanted to go to Britain, and the LGBTQ actually hindered that because they said he was in opposition to the gay lifestyle, which, you know, he sees, yeah, homosexuality as a sin, but I liked how he ended up turning around saying, but I'm also a sinner. And he invited them saying, you're more than welcome to come and hear about Jesus, but they still skewed it. And he was actually hindered from going and speaking in Britain because of, of that. And that's what the enemy tries to do sometimes is he will skew our, what we're doing for the Lord to keep us from, from. Continuing on with the work of the Lord. He also brings discouragement, you know, to keep us discouraged from doing what the Lord wants us to do. And we'll see that with Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 4 when we talk about that. Um, But we have, even when they were discouraged, we find out in chapter 5 there's Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet. They come and, you know, they, they stir the people and that's what will happen. You know, God will place people in our lives. God leave people in our lives to help encourage us to continue on with the work. And that's what they did. They encouraged them to continue on with the work. And this time when they gave an answer, they were truthful saying, yes, You know, we, our fathers disobeyed God. And because of that, they were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. However, Cyrus, King Cyrus told us to come back and build the temple. And then, so they made a search of the records and it's found out, oh, it's true. And, and because of that, King Darius makes it even a rule that those who oppose them will even die. So the, the temple's rebuilt and that's when we have Ezra comes to Jerusalem, you know, he's there to bring in the spiritual renewal and, and we see with his return to to Israel, he actually doesn't ask for, for escorts. And so they're praying, you know, God protect us so that we don't. And there's nothing wrong with that, asking God for protection on, on your travels and on what you're supposed to do. We read in chapter nine, um, what had happened is in the process, there was this spiritual renewal, but the people at some point. And we'll see it with Nehemiah that there's some other stuff that happens. But the main thing that happens is they started intermarrying, which they weren't supposed to do. And it causes Ezra to repent. And because of that, other people started repenting. And that's where we finish off with Ezra. And I think that's how we should be, like with Josiah, with Hezekiah, Ezra, in a time of spiritual reformation right now. You know, it is time, you know, that the people get back to the cross, get back to Jesus, the first love, and begin to let God just cleanse us of, of the things that have distracted us from him, from the sins that have kept us separate from him. And I think that the time is now because we're getting, you know, time is getting shorter and shorter every day because, because the Lord's getting closer to coming back. And so, you know, my challenge to you is really to look in your life, you know, think about your life, let God reveal things in your life, get back to the cross, get back to God and Jesus and let him deal with these things in your life that keep you separate from him. And he's going to give you times of refreshment, you know, and and his Holy Spirit is going to cover you and you know, your life is going to be radically changed for, for the good. And so, you know, that's my challenge to you. So for the next, uh, podcast, um, we're going to finish up the, the book of Ezra and, um, starting at chapter 10, and then we're going to go through Nehemiah, starting at chapter one. And, Reading the whole book of Nehemiah, which is 13 chapters, and then starting on uh, Esther, chapter one, and and going through that. And so, stay tuned for a Psalm and Proverb podcast. In